listening to the Buy Sci-Fi Podcast. I'm your host, Carrie Pack, and this is your home for queer-positive speculative fiction. Well, uh, it's been a minute since I did a podcast. Um, Long story short, a lot of life stuff's been going on. I had shingles randomly. Um, You don't need to know my whole life story, but there it is. Um, So this is the episode. This is an interview that I recorded way back in February. It was meant to actually be my March episode. It is now the middle of April. Um, I think maybe we should just probably get this out in the world. This is an interview I did in February with Sarah Coderre. My next guest is Sarah Coderre. Uh, they are the author of the young adult urban fantasy novel Power Surge. Uh, and we're going to chat a little bit today about pronouns, non-binary characters, maybe a little bit about pets in our spec fic, which we both found out beforehand. We're both uh, animal lovers. So it's good to have you here, Sarah. Good to be there. Um, so tell me a little bit about uh, your novel Power Surge and kind of maybe what inspired you to write that. Power Surge was a long time in the making. Um, I came up with the idea of it in a screenwriting class I took back in 2007 when I was a freshman at a community college. Um, And then it, yeah, so that was almost 12 years ago now. Um, And... I think the idea from it then, I had probably been watching too much Supernatural, um, <laughs> listening, listening to my grandmother talk too much about demons, and listening to... My grandfather had recently passed away, but he used to always make up these weird stories about like fixing Kennedy's yacht down the Cape in the 60s or 50s or something. Um, it was kind of all those things like floating around in my head. I started writing this screenplay about um, demon hunters. And I never finished it. And two years later, I took a a fiction writing workshop um, and wrote more about these characters. And then years and years later, after I had finished a different book, I found myself coming back to that story and those characters with a completely different mindset um, or view, worldview almost, that I hadn't had when I was 19 and 21. Right. Um, and so I took sort of the basic story and characters I had created and then I, um, then they kind of grew into what they are now, if that makes any sense. It does. No, I understand. I, it's, it's funny how those ideas will sit with us for a while and then we finally feel like we have, you know, the the both the desire i think and maybe the the energy to to sit down and actually you know make it into what will end up being a finished published book there's a lot that goes on between that, starting that idea and having that little that book or you know that ebook on your uh, on your on your reader or whatever but um it sounds like you've got a lot of different supernatural type creatures in the book too other than just demons right yes there are elves, there's angels, there's pixies, there's mermaids. Um, anything, I don't know, the mentality I had when writing that book is any fictional myth or story that has come up in human history could potentially exist within the universe of 
that book at some point you might you know obviously they're not all going to be on the page but it's kind of like in all the stories or all the myths are true mentality that there's um some you know grain of truth or something that any sort of myth could be based off of that's really cool. So how did you approach then, I guess, like the world building aspect of that? If, if that sounds like a lot to contend with for creating a, a world and it's, it's going to be a series, right? Yeah. I mean, most of, I think half of what I imagine being in the world isn't actually on the page. So right. there's, you know, there's the world building that's actually on the page and then there's the world building that never leaves my head. <laughs> um, but I mean, the, the thing that makes it easier with, urban fantasy though is I don't have to create like some of the world is already existent right um it's it's still it's still present day it's set in Maine um you know it's around Portland Maine so there's some like real things that ground the world building a little bit and then it's you know on top of the mundane where can I layer in the um the magic in it yeah. So I, I'm with you. It's not, it feels like, I don't want to say it's easier because I think there's still a lot of challenges when you're dealing with urban fantasy or, or, you know, any kind of speculative fiction that's set in a, in a modern, you know, um, setting, contemporary setting. But, um, cause I did the same thing. Um, I have the, a time travel novel in the present tense and I basically was just, I was like, okay, I'm going to set this contem basically in a contemporary setting, even though it involves time travel, because that's a little bit less, challenge if i'm going to be dealing with time travel i don't also want to have to create a world from scratch you know like the two like one's enough of a challenge so yeah i'm, I'm with you on that one yeah, for sure i have a, a a draft of a space opera and that the world building and that compared to power surge is just it's a lot i admire people lot. that yeah it's overwhelming yeah it's the reason there's a reason i haven't finished that book <laughs> So I, I don't know if you listened um, to the interview I did with uh, J. Scott Coatsworth, but we talked a lot about kind of that world building aspect and how you add like layers of, of, of things and, and how deep you have to get into it. And even like you're saying, a lot of it doesn't end up on the page. Even, even if you know it in your head, it may not, but you have to consider. And when you're really building from scratch, you have to then start considering like, okay, what kind of money or, you know, how do they, do they barter? Do they have money? You know, what religions do they practice and how does that influence like trade? And, you know, all of that stuff really will create your, you know, you end up with a world like something like, I mean, for, to use something that we're all probably familiar with, like Harry Potter, where most things have been completely thought through. There's an entire system of government. There's a schooling system. There's, you know, and it's like some of that ends up on the page and then some of it comes out in tweets, you know, 20 years later and everybody's like, yeah, right. But, um, yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's complicated and I don't, I admire people who can, um, create an entire fantasy or, or science fiction world from scratch. Cause that's, it's not easy. It's a lot of work and a lot of work sometimes that, you know, doesn't end up on the page. If you look at, um, the Cimmerillion from Tolkien's work, you know, there's this entire gigantic book of stuff that just didn't get into the novels, but there it is an entire, there's an entire language. Like what the heck? I don't have that kind of time. <laughs> yeah. It's uh probably one of the reasons I stick with well no I won't say I stick with contemporary because <laughs> I do 
the book I'm querying to agents isn't contemporary, so. Right. Um, but yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, it's even, I mean, even if you do something like historical, you know, at least there you have research to pull on. There's existing evidence of what life was like or what things were, you know, but again, crafting it from scratch, man, that's hardcore. I'm all, I'm all about yeah. it though. I love reading that stuff. Um, you said, um, when, you know, we were talking about, um, how like animals and, in, in, um, work into speculative fiction. And you said that you, that heroes need a good cat or dog in their lives. So what do, what do you, what do you mean by that? And maybe tell us about the animals in your, in your story. Okay. Um, Well, but somebody who's grown up with animals, I just can't picture not having, you know, a dog around or a cat around. Um, right. actually lived for two years without a pet when I first moved out of my parents' house, and it was not something I wanted to do again. Um, and my favorite stories are, you know, my favorite fantasy novels, there's usually, like, you know, a dog or a cat that are... Even if they're not, you know, a huge part of the plot, they're still important. Um, so one example I always think of with this is in the the Dresden Files. Um, Harry Dresden has his cat, Mister, and then this giant dog named Mouse, um, who always, like, you know, sometimes the cat or the dog, are, I like them more than the actual character. Right. Or, in, <laughs> or in the Mortal Instruments, there's, like, Chairman Meow. Um, so... And there's lots of books where the, you know, I think that character needs a dog. So whenever I write almost, not all, but a lot of my characters end up with, you know, some faithful pet that helps them in some way. So in Power Surge, um, Aaron has Bessie, who, Bessie's kind of a failed service dog, um, <laughs> who could not get over the urge to jump on every human she saw um, in order to be trained, but she still makes a good support pet. Um, and even though Power Surge has a lot of like action and fight scenes and stuff, the main character is struggling with depression and anxiety um, and has some issues where sometimes they want to harm themselves. And Bessie is kind of there ally in that internal battle um if they get upset if they start to get into a panic attack you know the dog knows how to get involved and stop it before it gets out of control um you know the dog's always there you know waiting for erin when they get home um and so you know bessie might not be out hunting demons but when erin gets home you know, Bessie's there. If Aaron's, you know, mental health is spiraling downward, Bessie's there. If Aaron's eating, Bessie's there trying to steal food off their plate. <laughs> right. Right. So, um, you know, not, not every book I write, I guess, has one, but the, some of my current works in progress, um, have a lot of dog, in them too. I think one of the characters in a novella I've been working on on and off um, runs a pet store, a pet supply store. And when I was 
running th- running it through my critique group, I think someone described um, that character as having a dog's first approach to life. Um, you know, focused more on dogs than people. Right, right, right. <laughs> that was kind of the like, you know, my taking my characters with dog sidekicks and you know making the dogs even more <laughs> significant to the story. I mean, I, th- I think that too, though, is like another, it's another part of world building, you know, like you said, it makes it feel more real because if you, especially for those of us that have grown up with pets or animal lovers, it's, it's weird when people don't have a pet, you're like, you don't have any, like, you don't even have like a hamster, like what, <laughs> you know? And, um, uh, that's, that to me is kind of part of what makes, makes a home, you know? I mean, I was telling you before we started recording, I have, we have seven cats in our house and, and that's a lot. Uh, I wouldn't recommend it to everyone, but, um, but you know, it's like, I've always like, I've got, I've got one cat in the room with me now. I'm down from my three from earlier, but you know, they're, they're always there. They're part of your life. They support you. And you know, um, my cats know when I'm, when I'm not doing well mentally, they know they come sit with me and you know, they're like, what's wrong? (laughs) You know, if they could talk, they would be asking, you know, and it, it does make you feel better. And scientifically, at least with cats, um, their purr has been proven to help with mood and, and can promote healing. So I'm all for it. <laughs> yeah. Um, so your character then deals with, um, mental illness, right? They have anxiety. Is that what you said? Anxiety, depression. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, so does that factor, does that play a major role in the story or is it, or did you kind of, um, look at more of just this is um, part of who they are, but not maybe central to the story. It it does have a, a big, it's not the main plot, but it's a little bit more than uh, just a, this is who they are. So um, let me try to think of how to explain this. Um, so the, the character has the anxiety and depression. They also have ADHD and, one of the things that kind of kickstarts or is going on at the beginning of the book is that they're off their medications for the first time in a while, um, and they don't want to be off them. Right. Uh, but there are side effects that kind of force them off the medications. Um, so as the the book starts, they're trying to cope with these things without – um, the treatment they need or want. Um, and so that's kind of an undercurrent throughout the book, um, is that at least in book one, that Aaron's trying to cope with certain things, but doesn't have everything they need to do. So, um, and I think one of the reasons I wrote it, that way was because when I was a teenager, um, well, one, I don't remember reading about other teenagers with mental health issues, but, uh, I was also like stigmas and stereotypes had me terrified of medication. Um, but instead of writing a character that, you know, was on medication and was just like, yeah, you know, whatever is kind of in the background, it ended up being writing about a character who was aware they needed it and wanted help, but, for, you know, whatever reason, they weren't able to access the type of medication they needed. Um, of course, in this case, the reasons related to the supernatural element, but um, 
so it's it's not the main thing, but it's definitely more than just like a piece of the character. Right, right. I mean, I think I think that's. I like when we can explore maybe some issues that we've had ourselves right through our fiction where we can and kind of twist them. So it's not, so it's a little more allegorical rather than literal. Right. And that, um, you know, dealing with, I, I, I've totally had the same thing with, you know, medica medication used for mental illness is very stigmatized still. And, and I was reading an article the other day talking about, um, you know, side effects and having to be on them long term and blah, 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 and talking about how hard it is to go off of them. And, and I'm kind of going, well, yeah, but can we talk about also that some people need to be on them long term and that, you know, that also the benefits sometimes of medic, we you don't ever hear someone say like, oh, well, your diabetes medication um, might be keeping you alive, but also it could, you know, make your hair fall out. Like those side effects are listed, but people don't tell you to stop taking your diabetes medication because of a side effect. If there isn't an alternative, you know, like it, death is not the, is death yeah. is not preferable to mental illness. Just like it's not preferable to, you know, um, to, to, to a side effect from any other medication. And I think that you know, we, t we too often rush to go, well, yeah, but it's, you can, you can live with being a little sad or you can, I don't know, sometimes you can't. And that's the problem, Yeah. you know? And so, yeah, I'm, I'm totally on board with you. It took me a long time to accept the fact that, you know, I probably needed medication to deal with my anxiety and depression. And it was hard to talk to somebody about that. And it was hard to convince them, you know, and those are struggles that people have. And, and when we can explore those in fiction and helps people, you know, and then, and they're still entertained, but they're also maybe can kind of see their own struggles in a new light, hopefully. Yeah. That's what I hope people take away from it anyways. Yeah. Yeah. No, I understand. I, not to talk about my own stuff too much, but same thing. My, um, my time travel novel in the present tense, the main character, uh, has a dissociative disorder and that's actually how he time travels. Um, but there was always that awareness in the back of my mind of, I never wanted to treat his mental illness like a plot point because there are real people out there, you know, and people that I know even that have dissociative disorders and it's not a, it's not a joke. It's not a plot point. It's who they, it's part of who they are. And, you know, I made very clear that all of my characters, several of them have different um, forms of, of mental illness or, or disorders and um, made it really clear that, that, um, different forms of therapy helped them, whether it was medication or, or talk therapy or combination of the both of the two. And, and, you know, that they all were getting help in the way that worked for them. And, you know, because that's real life, <laughs> you know, even though I'm dealing with time travel, I wanted to be as realistic as I could in the real, the real aspects of the story. So. For sure. Yeah. Um, and then also Aaron is, is, is Aaron non-binary? I know that the character uses yes. they, them. Okay. Um, yeah. we, we, it's so funny cause we just, um, the February episode has both, uh, a non-binary author and then someone came on to talk about mental illness. This is great. We're kind of continuing that conversation a little bit. Um, so tell me a little bit about kind of, um, how does, how that comes into play, I guess, with Aaron's story. That's probably one of the elements of character that's just who Aaron is and isn't as tied into the plot. Um, you know, it's clear throughout the book that Aaron doesn't identify as a boy or girl. They're something in the middle, just Aaron. Um, but 
it's that's one of the things that's just who the character is. Right. Uh, you know, it doesn't have much bearing on you know the plot. None of the characters make a big deal about it. Everyone just accepts Aaron for who they are. Um, Love it. So it's you know it's just you know urban fantasy with a a main character that that is non-binary. Nothing you know this. I I try to make it clear enough that that's who the character is, but not like draw insane amounts of it, like large amounts of attention to it. Right. Um, You know, it's just there. I mean, that's the thing I think across the, you know, the queer spectrum that we're looking for is characters who just are, because most of us through our everyday lives, that's just a tiny fraction of, of who we are as a person. And and it doesn't affect our, our plots for lack of a better word. So why should it, especially, especially in speculative fiction, why should it affect the plot? You know, it doesn't have to, we're talking about an imaginary world that we've, you know, created either in whole or in part. And I think it's great that we can create those worlds that maybe don't exist for everyone where they can be exactly who they want to be without question or, or a problem and 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 you know the other the other books have are needed too but i think it's really great when we can just move on the discussion move on from the discussion and just make it a part of life you know yeah very cool very cool so what um what are you like into right now are you reading or watching anything i know you mentioned you really were into supernatural back in the day are you still watching that nope <laughs> i stopped at season five <laughs> Oh, I stopped. Yeah, I stopped after about five seasons, and it's. I know the show's still going on, but I haven't. It's like the never-ending show, isn't it? Like it's been on like what fourteen seasons or something crazy like that. How long is it? Yeah, it's been a while. Well, and I still and it's it's funny. It's funny because I still whenever I look at Jared Padalecki, I see him as Dean from Gilmore Girls. So I'm always like, this is weird. His name's not Dean. No, that's the other guy. Oh, okay. Yeah. I never, I never got into it. I couldn't get into the first season when it because I wanted to watch it when it first came out because I was super into like Charmed and all that other kind of stuff. So I was like, this ought to be good. And I couldn't get into it. But since then, people have told me like, oh, season one's not really great. Like you need to stick with it. And I'm like, I ain't got time for that. It's too many seasons now. Yeah. It's, like, it's I, too late. <laughs> I think season one was the best season. But really? I. I liked it when it started, and I felt like it degraded the longer it went on. <laughs> um, that happens. But I've, other fans, you know, obviously don't agree with me on that. So, <laughs> well, we're never going to all agree on anything. So, what yeah. are what are you into currently, then? If not, if not supernatural. Um, well, for TV show, I don't watch a lot of TV. Um, I went from. May of last year till yesterday without watching a full episode of a TV show. Wow. Uh, I'm I'm kind of impressed with that. That's pretty, I watched way too much TV. Always have. I'll watch movies. um, Mostly the, mostly Star Wars and the Marvel MCU movies, but I did watch the Magician seasons four premiered this week. So I did watch the Magicians. Um, I just finished reading Gear of the Knife. Of course, I'm actually forgetting the author's, name right now um we can put it in the show notes that's the beauty of this i love it i do it all the time we were trying to think of the name of the actor that played han solo in the in the solo movie and couldn't think of it so i was just like "Mm, i'll just put it in the show notes so when you see when you see the show notes for the february episode you'll be like ah there it is yeah i think it's gd penman but i might be mixing letters up um but that was a urban fantasy but it was alternate history so 
in addition to there being wizards and witches and magic and demons in the world and vampires, there were the British, uh, the American Revolution never happened. So the British oh. Empire was still ruling um, portions of the United States and the west part of the United States was still under Native American control um, that hadn't been fully colonized. So it was two different countries on the North American continent and Europe was like overrun with demons and kind of blocked off from the rest of the world. Um, so that was kind of the setup of it, but otherwise it was like a regular urban fantasy novel where the main character was like a, de- uh, like a detective and there's a murder to solve. And so it was a, it was a fun read though. That does sound fun. I, I, I like alternate histories with the exception of the man in the high castle is a little too intense for me. It feels a little too close to home these days, but, uh, but I love I love alternate history. I mean, I think that that's an aspect of spec fic maybe that doesn't get enough, um, like, what's the word I'm looking for? Like enough kudos. Like it doesn't get enough attention. People forget that that's a, a, a subgenre. And I just love it because I think, like, the what if is the best part about spec- speculative fiction. Like you can take something and go, what if this happened? Or what if this hadn't happened? And I love that. I love it. Um, are you working on anything new at the moment? I just finished the sequel for Power Search, and that is in the hands of beta readers right now. Um, so while I wait for feedback on that, I'm just working on some short fiction. Nice. Do you like Do you like short fiction as a medium? Is that Do you feel like you excel better at that or at long form? I, or? I've published a lot more short fiction than long fiction. Um, I I tend to do best with microfiction, but I do like writing regular short stories too. And I sometimes I I think my favorite thing about those there is the the turnaround time. Like I can finish the story, go through multiple drafts of it, and then you know it doesn't take years to get published. Right. You know maybe a few months of sending it out, I find a an anthology or a lit mag that'll take it, and then you know so within you know, less than a year of, of writing it, revising it. It's, you know, it's out there. Um, I might not get a lot of money for it, but it's still, you know, it still gets out there quicker than a novel, much quicker than a novel. Much quicker. Yeah. That's, that's the most frustrating part, I think sometimes. And the nice thing about being with a small press or even, you know, self-publishing is that it's a little faster, but still it's, you know, usually from the time you submit, even with a small press, um, you know, minimum is a year from the time you submit, you know? Um, and, uh, you know, that's, that's hard, (laughs) especially I came from like fan fiction, right? So like you get immediate, like, Oh, this is great. Next chapter, please. (laughs) Oh, okay. I'll keep writing. (laughs) It's hard when you got to wait like a year or more for feedback. You're like, what? Yeah. Uh, Um, so is your next release then going to be the sequel to power surge? Probably there. There's a novella that my editor is looking at um, that's actually set before Power Surge. It's not really a part of the series, but it's some of the same characters. Um, You could read it as a prequel. You could read it just as a standalone. Um, I don't have, you know, she had seen it once. I made some changes, send it back to her. I don't have the official word whether that's actually going to happen or not. Um, So... That could potentially be out before the sequel, but otherwise, um, yeah, the next standalone I have out will be 
the sequel hopefully before this year's over. Awesome. That's great, though. It'd be great, though, because no matter what, somebody's going to get more in that world. So if they really like Power Surge, they can just keep going in that yeah. world. Well, Sarah, it's been really great talking to you. If uh, my listeners wanted to get in touch with you online, is what's the best way for them to do that? Twitter is the easiest way to reach me. Um, my Twitter handle is Shattered Smooth. Um, you know, DMs I respond to pretty quick. There's a contact form on my website, sarahcoderre.com. Awesome. Awesome. Well, it has been a lot of fun. I'm looking forward maybe to checking out your um, uh, power surge because it sounds like something's right up my alley. So I'm very excited for it. Um, and maybe we'll have you come back on when the, when the sequel comes out. Sounds good. All right. Thank you so much. Thank you very much. Thank you so much to Sarah Coderre for being my guest. Uh, you may have noticed uh, that was just one interview, uh, and normally I would do two. But I think I'm going to switch the format up a little bit here on Buy Sci-Fi Podcast and uh, switch to just one interview for each episode. Makes the episodes a little bit shorter because we tend to get a little chatty. And then also allows me to bring you more content more frequently. Keeps my editing load down a little bit. It's a little fun time all around. So hopefully within the next, I'm hoping in the next week or two, I'm going to have an interview with Michael G. Williams. We had a really fun chat and uh, it's been a long time that I need them needed to edit this episode. So um, I'll get that ready and get it online and it'll be coming to you real soon. You've been listening to the Buy Sci-Fi Podcast. Find us online at buysci-fi-podcast.wordpress.com and on Twitter at buysci-fi.